Just Me, a place to be me, where you get to experience life. Life is a journey, not a guided tour. If you want the rainbow, you have to go through the rain. Welcome, 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 everyone. Thank you for joining joining us in another episode of Just Me. So last episode, we discussed intergenerational trauma. We discussed the historical components of intergenerational trauma, the collective components of intergenerational trauma, and just familial intergenerational trauma. And today we're going to dive a little deeper into what exactly that entails and what that looks like um, with some pretty good examples. So just to kind of recap, um, intergenerational trauma is explained as years of generations Um, years, excuse me, of generational challenges that are passed down within families. And it's typically how people cope with adverse events or experiences. Um, Some of those experiences could be within the culture. Some of those experiences could be um, within society. Um, Some of those experiences could be within a family. And so there are various unspoken ways and and very complex ways of how we all interact with coping with some of these traumas and these reactions to different things. How people deal with them within families impacts generations to come. So today what we're going to do is talk about some of those, some examples of some intergenerational traumas that maybe people oversee as they're going through their daily lives. Um, One of the things that is a good example is um, I was reading an article that I pulled off of the website, um, excuse me, off of the internet by from Duke University. And what it was explaining is that there was a a grandmother from the historical event um, of the Holocaust. And one of the things that she had learned within the Holocaust is that in order to survive that experience, she had to disengage with her emotions. And so as she disengaged with her emotions, passing that down to her grandkids, passing that down to her children. So when it came to maybe interacting with family at family gatherings, when it came to interacting with um, her kids, with parenting techniques, it may have been very cut off. Her emotions were taken away from the event, the situation, and it was very factual. But as a result, her children and her grandchildren also picked up on this behavior. So when it came to the example of intergenerational trauma, the grandmother's ability to cut off her emotions and disengage and separate from her emotions during that experience in her life trickled down to her children, trickled down to her grandchildren, and so on and so forth. So that is an example of unhealthy communication that can trickle down and create that intergenerational trauma that we're experiencing, that we are talking about. Well, when the grandmother did it, did she do it as a sense of protection, a coping? Because the article did not specify, but me taking a step back and thinking about it in a professional professional view, I would imagine that it was an element of coping. Okay. And 
that was then. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, if her children and grandchildren are doing it, it may be a sense of coping, but someone else may see it as a sense of disrespect. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if you're trying to be in a healthier relationship with a spouse. Okay. And what you've learned is to cut off your emotions from your grandmother because that's what you saw her doing. Okay. Now that you are a 35-year-old woman, okay, Okay. and trying to be in a relationship and you've practiced cutting off your emotions all of these years in order to be successful, in order to go through other navigations of life, when you're in a relationship with someone else, cutting off your emotions may not be the most effective way of building a relationship with a spouse. And also, it may be saying in the present as it relates to suppressing a lot of things mm-hmm. that can cause physical symptoms. Oh, like within what? Within your body. Well, you're not speaking out. You're not expressing them. So if you're keeping it in, it may cause heart disease. It may cause different types of stressors as it relates to within, as it relates to holding things within your body and not releasing them or not expressing them. Oh, that whole idea that the body keeps the score. Yes. The body holds that trauma. And that's a good example, Miss Smith, is that when we do keep things in, Mm -hmm. we're not doing it to maliciously hurt ourselves. But what we are unintentionally doing is hurting ourselves. Yes. And I think that goes into another example that I have would be how we express anger and how we express frustration. In my family, men are not supposed to cry. Men are not supposed to show emotion. They are the breadwinners. They are the providers. And that narrative going down from my grandmother to my father And then how my father raised me. My perception of what a spouse should be can be be very convoluted. Especially if I'm expecting him to be emotionally available for me. But do I want that in return for him? Because in my, what I've been conditioned to believe is that no, 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 no. You're supposed to go out there and work. Get this stuff done. But is that healthy? Hmm. Okay. Well, no, it's not healthy. Mm-hmm. Because we all need to express our emotions in some form or fashion. It does not need to stay in. But if the men are taught to work and not express emotions, I think that's when we see other behaviors. Like what? Drinking. Okay. Gambling. Okay. Or doing other unhealthy things. Mm-hmm. As it as it sensed as it relates to a sense of expression. Mm-hmm. Because communicating their emotions is being seen as being weak. Yeah. Yeah. But it all goes back to the grandmother. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And how that 
story was carried from my grandparents to my father to me. Yes. And that was one generation, that's two generations, that's three generations. So now I am working on unlearning this and changing my perception. But that thought process Mm -hmm. is in that example of that generational trauma. And the reason why I say trauma is because it has impacted relationships that I've been in. How? Because I become very emotionally cut off. Okay. Yes. I began to present unrealistic expectations on a partner mm-hmm. that are going to be unhealthy for me and this person in the long run. Yes. And then when your children go to school and they're not talking, they are assigned a label mm-hmm. as it relates to being a special needs kid. Mm-hmm. Because they're not, they're not communicating effectively. They're not communicating at all. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about intergenerational trauma, it is a, a fancy term that has been created. But when we pull back these layers and we begin to look at each individual component in your own life, we began to see how it shows up and it dictates how we govern ourselves. And if we don't address these things as individuals, we will continue to perpetuate these unhealthy ways. I work a lot with parents and their children. And some of the things that show up in an unhealthy way is it, are if a parent, whether it be a father or a mother, mm-hmm. yell at their child as a way of communicating. Yell when they're happy, yell when they're mad, yell when they're sad. And that tone in their voice creates further confusion for their child. Mm -hmm. But that behavior of communication is something that has been passed down from their parents. So if the mom and or dad grew up in a household where communication was in the form of elevated tone, cussing. Then when you begin to communicate that to your child, you're further perpetuating that cycle of unhealthy communication. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering... Wondering if that cursing and yelling comes from those suppressed emotions mm. that refer- that we have referenced in the grandmother. Because at some point, something is going to come out. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And that's what comes out, the cursing and the yelling. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And years and years of holding stuff in. Because mm-hmm. you, you have to remember, most of the time when people have children, around 20, so the 20 years of not communicating the way you need to. Mm-hmm. And now when you have kids, all those suppressed emotions from all those years are coming out. Correct. Correct. And sometimes we don't know we're doing it. No. Sometimes as parents, we say, well, I want you to be better than me. I want you to do better than what I did. But the way you're communicating that 
your child is not you. Your child is different. And so as a result, yes, you want them to be better and different. How are you communicating that, that your child is receiving? And in order to recognize that, you have to be consciously aware. Yeah. And that's where therapy comes in at. Just yeah. really recognizing that, hey, what I'm doing is not healthy, so I need to really change how I do things. Absolutely. And it takes a lot of work. It does. Because you're talking about years and years of unhealthy ways of dealing with things mm-hmm. based upon the trauma, yes. the intergenerational trauma. Yes. So it takes work. But the first thing you would want you to do is acknowledge it. Absolutely. Absolutely. On more of a, a clear example, okay. um, there was another article that I had read where um, um, an individual had, during the holidays, comes together with her family. You know, they do the, the holiday dinners. Um, and as grow as she was growing up, she remembered and she recalled so many shared stories around the dinner table about her family members just being in the Holocaust, being in internment camps, discussing gas chambers. Mm-hmm. For her, as an adult now, she has created or become very adverse to the idea of going into a sauna. Mm-hmm. So that's more of a very vivid and in-your-face example of how stories that we share around family gatherings, especially with things coming up, Thanksgiving's coming up, Christmas is coming up, and we tend to see more of our loved ones, whether it be healthy or unhealthy, because I got some unhealthy ways that my family gets together, okay? (laughs) But healthy or unhealthy, you begin to take these stories and you begin to hold on to them and then create how you move in your life. So this woman was never in the Holocaust, never experienced the Holocaust. But the stories that she heard over years and years and years helped her to create an aversion to Asana, which is uh, almost can be I- identified as a replication of a gas chamber if you are locked in. Mm. So what you're saying is that the stories that are shared within these settings, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you hear them years after years after years, you can create some sort of traumatic event within your mind? Absolutely. Absolutely. Based on what your Based family. Based on what you, your family mm-hmm. okay. has experienced. Oh, Wow. Yes, we can see that happen in so many events. Absolutely. For me, one of the things that I remember congregating when we did have Thanksgiving dinners, um, when I did go to my grandmother's house in Pittsburgh, was it was this idea that, oh, girl, your hair is nappy. And I remember hearing that from different family members. It wasn't directed towards me, but just maybe different cousins. Mm -hmm. And so that idea that, Nappy is not pretty. Nappy is not beautiful. Nappy is not gorgeous. So as an as a kid, continuing to hear that, I asked my mom for a relaxer. 
That was the biggest no-no in the world. My mom did not want me to get a relaxer because it would change my hair. It would change, and my hair was tied to, the idea in my family is that your hair is tied to beauty. Your natural hair is tied to beauty. As long as you took care of it, as long as you combed it and you wasn't walking around looking nappy. And so a good example of that um, on Netflix is um, Tracy Ellis Ross with the, the hair tails. And it, it goes into significant detail of how the narrative of Black women's hair has shaped our idea of beauty for such a long time in good ways and bad. But that is another idea of generations of narratives helping to shape a person's esteem of what beauty and image is. Now, I'm not going to say that for everybody, but I'm going to say that reflecting on this topic today, that's something that did resonate with me as I was growing up. So I'm not going to say that every Black woman has that. But I am going to say that hair is a very strong staple point for individuals. What are your thoughts? That is true because a lot of times when it comes to women, African-American women, we utilize our hair to define who we are. Mm-hmm. and all forms, and all shapes. And that is not fair that we do that because we're not looking in the inside. We're focused more on the image. Mm -hmm. And the more that we focus on the image, I think the more and more we're going to be unsatisfied with what we see Mm -hmm. because it's not from within. Correct. Correct. And the media constantly provide different images or visuals that we continue to try to, that we continue to try to strive to look like. Mm -hmm. And we fall for it. All the time. All the time. And I commend the, the newer generation, Generation Z, with that idea of taking different platforms, social media, um, different, you know, Hulus, different podcasts, Mm -hmm. and really changing that idea and supporting that all shades, all textures can represent some sort of beauty. Mm. So when we think about this as a form of intergenerational trauma, we think about the the shame and the depression that a young woman can hold or a young man can hold mm-hmm. as it relates to their image. Mm. And so when you talk about how the the physical components, the mental health components of intergenerational trauma shows up, that's where that depression can come in. Right. Anxiety. That's where that intergenerational trauma can come in. I'm not pretty as, I'm not worthy as. Um, Looking at other groups of people, they are less than. Because a lot of times, 
there can be thought patterns and beliefs about other people, other cultures, other ethnicities that are passed down from generation to generation. I know for me, when I was also another thing that a narrative that I had or was given when I was growing up is that people are always going to perceive you as someone who doesn't work as hard because you're Black and because you're a woman. So you have to do it 10 times better, 10 times harder. That's why I go so hard now, (laughs) which can create elements of anxiety for me. Yeah, But sometimes around these holiday tables, they would, our family members, family members would tell us, oh, you know you have to work harder. Oh, yes. Than oh, yes. the other race. And so that is instilled within our mind, but we're breaking ourselves down. Yes. Mentally, emotionally, physically. We're losing out on so many things because we're pouring all of our energy into this work and we're constantly trying to prove ourselves. hmm Because this is what we were taught. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's from grandmothers. It's from mothers. It's from grandfathers. It's from fathers. And it's not to say that they were maliciously doing something wrong. It's to say that they were taking what their generations... During their time. Exactly. But this is a new time. Exactly. And see, we're still taking them down from their time to this time. Right. And this is a whole different era now. Mm Mm-hmm. But we're still doing it. We're still grinding and trying to prove ourselves, mm-hmm. but yet killing ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, um, thank you guys so much for listening in today. We are going to delve even further into this concept of intergenerational trauma and how it shows up in holiday settings. Um, we're even going to go as far as physical abuse sexual abuse, substance use. Yes. So I definitely hope that you guys join us next time as we continue to dive in and pick apart some of these nuances that we've been carrying for so long and that continuously keep us stuck because the first thing in order to heal is to talk about it. So until next time, guys, take care of yourself so we can definitely take care of each other. Thank you so much for listening to Just Me Podcast. If you are seeking further one-on-one consultations, worksheets, and action steps from the ladies at Just Me Podcast, please review the monthly subscription packages starting at $9.99 at www.patreon.com backslash Just Me Podcast and the number one. If you are seeking further one-on-one diagnoses, interventions, and treatment plans, please consider scheduling an appointment with an individual counselor at Journeys Counseling Center. Journeys can be reached at 336-294-1349. The mission of Just Me Podcast is to use authentic conversations to uplift one's mind, body, and soul. The goal of Just Me Podcast is to offer affordable education and insight to individuals who experience financial barriers to accessing individualized behavioral health support. 
With that being said, the information, including opinions, advice, and recommendations discussed in this podcast, is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to substitute the recommendations of your own licensed therapist or healthcare provider. Although we are licensed behavioral health professionals, we are not your licensed behavioral health professional. As a result, the advice mentioned on this podcast should not replace the recommendations offered by your own qualified health professional.